0: Clearly, it is possible through technology to make death optional. That claim was made by Martine Rothblatt in an article in the New Yorker some years back. Rothblatt is the CEO of just one of the many firms in Silicon Valley working to solve the problem of death. This is not just some fringe movement. Some of the great luminaries of Silicon Valley are taking part, like the CEO and founder, or the former CEO and founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, and the billionaire investor, Peter Till. Both have poured millions into life extension so that they can live to the ripe old age that Till described as forever. We might think that this is just another example of the hubris of Silicon Valley, working to transcend the limits of given human life in the name of self-actualization. But for any of us who have experienced the loss of a loved one or imagine the loss of those close to us, I think that we can understand this desire to hold on to someone just a little longer, to stop their death or maybe even to reverse it. One of the more sympathetic characters in the article was Ray Kurzweil. Kurzweil is a well-known futurist and inventor who currently works for Google. He's been working for years to recreate his father in the form of a digital avatar, feeding photographs and documents, anything that he could find about his father, into this computer model, so that he could be with them still. Kurzweil goes against the old adage that it's death that gives meaning to life. Kurzweil says that death is always a tragedy without question. If we look at our Christian scriptures, I think we can find some echoes of this. Death is described as the result of sin. Paul names death as the enemy that is overcome by Christ's resurrection. We imagine the time when God will come and heal all things, and there will be death no more, no more tears or weeping or grief. Some of us even signed up for this Christian faith on the basis of its promise— To give us eternal life, a promise based on passages like the scriptures that we heard just this morning. Jesus promises eternal life to all who would believe in his Father and in his own mission. But what does eternal life mean? Life everlasting. What does death mean in this context? Do they mean the same thing for Jesus and Jeff Bezos, or is there a difference? I think that we can begin to sort out this difference by looking at another word in our gospel reading, knowledge. Now, in the Middle Ages, that bright time of Christian philosophy they loved to make distinctions. They had special words to describe the nature of things. And so in their efforts to understand different kinds of knowledge, they introduced two different words. One they called curiositas and the other studiositas. Now, curiositas is really nothing like the current way that we talk about curiosity. I like to consider myself a curious person, and I think I've even recommended being curious from this pulpit. But for them, a better way to say it might be a kind of possessive knowledge, a knowledge that takes control and tries to hold on to particular facts in order to manipulate the world. For them, That was what curiositas meant. They contrasted that with another kind of knowledge, one they called studiositas. Now, this is the kind of knowledge that comes from being a student, or we might say in Christian terms, a disciple. In this kind of knowledge, we become participants in the thing that we behold. It's duty to be a student, to be a disciple in this understanding, is to make one's life a part of what is known. I don't think it's hard to see which kind of knowledge is at the center of Silicon Valley's pursuit of infinite life extension. For them, knowledge is all about control about taking possession of the facts of biology and working them out so that we can live on and on. As one person involved in one of these projects said, death is an engineering problem, and we will solve it. This is in great contrast to the kind of eternal life that Jesus is talking about. Jesus doesn't understand life as just a continuation of biological realities, but instead as a kind of participation in the loving existence of God, this oneness that he talks about at the end of our gospel reading that goes on and on forever. For Jesus to have eternal life is to participate in the life of God's love so that our life in this biological reality And our life in whatever comes next is one that is continuous with no interruption. And that changes how we understand this problem of death, this problem and this idea of eternal life. For Jesus, eternal life is about moving into deep relationship, this relational knowledge with God. And the way that we do this, he says, is to know God and Jesus Christ, whom he sent. This is the task discipleship. So how do we move into this kind of discipleship? How do we enter this knowledge that helps us have this kind of eternal life? Well, I know that some of you here just are ending up or wrapping up your school semesters. This is the time of summer and so we might want to be moving away from our studies. But let me in suggest a kind of summer school activity, even for those of you who have long ago left school behind. Jesus calls not believers, not Christians, not people who subscribe to some particular set of facts. Instead, Jesus calls for people to become his students. And those students, he doesn't mean students who memorize a textbook or pass some final exam that will get you into heaven. Instead, he's talking about this older idea of a student being someone who moves into the life of the teacher, who enters into deep and profound relationship so that they are transformed. And that's the kind of studenthood that we are all called to in discipleship. The way to begin to exercise this is, though, very much like any other kind of study. We need to give time and attention to the task. But instead of time and attention given over to studying a set of facts, our work is instead to enter into the life of prayer. In that attentive listening and waiting before God, we can begin to know God and enter into deep and intimate relationship with the life of the divine. So that one day, when our time comes to leave our biological reality as it currently stands behind, we move into the life of God, it will be a kind of seamless flow. Because God wants to gather everyone and all things into deep and profound relationship with him, so that all can be blessed and live in his love. Amen.